0: This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society, Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this
1: is Marina Sardis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM.
0: The Earl Grey hot. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson. Now, Richard is away this week, but joined with me today is Justin Ozer. Justin, how are you doing today?
2: Doing great. Well, Always great to talk next generation every week. It's amazing, though, isn't it? I mean, we do an episode every week, but we still find interesting things to talk about, and people aren't tired of it yet. Which is I great. know, right? <laughs> We're very
0: grateful that we still have listeners. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, so wonderful to be here today, as yeah. always.
0: We have some Babel conference feedback uh, from our episode "Remember Me," and that was Earl Gray number two forty-three. So, Justin, wants you to start us off.
2: Yeah, so uh, Gareth Poole says, Not watched in years, but I remember this being a favorite of mine. The tense creepiness of the crew and ship gradually disappearing stuck with me. I'll be interested to see if it holds up on a rewatch. So thanks for that feedback, Gareth. And I'm not sure if we heard back from you if it held up on a rewatch. So if it hasn't, drop a comment in this one or the previous one and let us know. But we think it's a great episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm very interested to know how you think it holds up after all this. I enjoyed it on my million three watch <laughs> so. oh yeah
2: i mean it's it's it still holds your interest even though when you know exactly what's going to happen there's gates mcfadden really just yeah she sells it so well
0: <laughs> yeah so we had another comment from gary Bissaga. sorry if i mispronounced your last name And you say, Gary says, I'm happy to find other people who love this episode 100% on the creepiness. It's the only Star Trek episode to ever give me nightmares, even on rewatches. That moment where Beverly walks around the corner, followed by Wesley, and he's just gone. I hate Wesley as much as the next guy, but the combination of creepiness and what Beverly, like any parent, would be feeling to see her son disappear always gets me. Yeah, I get the chills, especially at that she just walks around the corner and then he's gone. Oh, gives me chills just talking about it.
2: It's done so well because I think the first time you see it, you expect O.S. is going to be there. They're going to try to find it out, but he's just gone. And it's I think this moment for for Crusher that like this has become really seriously personal. Yeah. Yeah. Great moment. We also received an email. So it is from a listener. He did send me some information about how to pronounce his name, whether, you know, you're someone who's French or, <laughs> or speaks English because he's from Quebec. But I'll just say it the way that he says his English friends do. Simon DeLuca, who is from uh, St. Rose, which is near Montreal in Quebec, Canada. So he says, in my household, I'm the one doing the cleaning, preparing meals, doing the laundry, etc. For the last six months, these chores began to be more difficult to do. And that mixed with other things happening in my life, I flirted with going into a light depression. After listening to all the Edge episodes before and during Discovery aired, I chose to listen to Earl Grey in reverse chronological order. I listen to you guys when I'm cooking or cleaning the house. You are literally helping me get through all of those chores. Listening to you amazing people raises my mood every day, and I wanted to sincerely thank you guys for that. Wow. Thank you for the email. We love when we receive listener feedback, whether it's through the Babel Conference or email from our listeners around the world. That amazes me too. Like it's not just people in the US. We've gotten things from people in Canada and the UK and Germany and Australia and just so many different places. So thank you so much, uh, Simon, for your feedback. And I know that people listen to it a lot of different ways. Maybe they're doing chores or they're driving to work or, you know, they're listening to it at work or whatever. So wherever you are, thank you for giving the time. Sometimes, you know, a good deal more than an hour of your time to us uh, to listen to the show. We really appreciate it. And thank you, Simon, for writing to us.
0: Yes, thank you, Simon. It was a very, very well-received email. We just really appreciate you and for taking the time. It was so thoughtful to write us a quick little note. So thank you. All right, Justin. Well, it's time to introduce our guest since Richard is gone. We have with us uh, Joe Keegan, uh, who has been to Star Trek Las Vegas, and I had the absolute pleasure of meeting. And so want to welcome Joe onto Earl Grey.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. I'm near death with excitement. <laughs> now that I'm on, a, I was a podcast virgin before now, and now you've taken that away.
0: You are making your podcast debut with us here, and so we are very honored to have you. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your Trek story? Like how you got started in Star Trek.
1: Okay. So, um, obviously I'm from Scotland. Obviously. (laughs) And I'm being very careful, given the problems we had communicating with you Americans that I'm being very careful to like speak very slowly. Um, but you guys seem to be doing okay so far. Um, What do I do? I'm a physics teacher in a high school in Scotland. Why do I do that? It's basically Star Trek taught me about science and then I had to go and understand real science um, so I could go and teach. My Star Trek journey, I have this weird overriding memory of watching Star Trek with my mum growing up. Don't know what age I was, young, maybe between five and ten years old. The original series on reruns, obviously, because I'm not old enough to have seen it on first run. I thought they were always lost, and, like lost in space. This one image that I have is of Uhura trying to get through to Starfleet Command and Kirk being annoyed that she can't. And so that's that led me to believe that they were just lost all the time. And then on a Sunday when I was around about 13, I think, they were doing the original run of Next Generation and I jumped in somewhere near the end of season three mm. was that like menage a troy um uh-huh. those kind of episodes just a few episodes before the best of both worlds and then i knew i recognized it and the, who fat flies a, a spaceship with two big pipes on the back um i'd recognized it as star trek and i recognized it, i loved it mm. and that was me hooked from then on
0: nice and so you make the travels every year to star trek las vegas
1: Yes, so um, we did it for the first time in twenty seventeen. Well, we had our first convention experience was Destination Star Trek in Birmingham in the UK, mm-hmm. and it's a lot. It's a smaller convention. There is usually about maybe fifty guests that come along and a few thousand um, Star Trek fans. Um, but we loved it so much and had such good experiences meeting fans, meeting guests that we thought let's just go and do Vegas. See if we like it. Never been to Vegas before, so let's try that. And we, it sort of blows your mind how good it is. Yeah. And it's not about the panels. It's not about, I don't know, whatever exib- exhibit they have. It's not about the vendor's room, although you walk around it a thousand times a day. It's about the relationships and the people that you meet and just the crazy amounts of fun. And randomly being stroked on the face by
2: Doug Jones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he did that to a lot of people.
1: I, well, no, no, I, I was like the, the, the special one for him. Yeah. He preferred <laughs> to do that to me. Yeah, I'm sure.
2: No, I'm sure you're right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, will, I think I'll go back every year until I can no longer, I'm able to walk or fly or I'm basically dead. you have to drag
2: me away in a box.
0: Yes. <laughs> Me too. Me too.
2: Yeah. And I'm sorry that I didn't get to see you. Maybe next year.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I, I, I know your face now. You've got a
2: mustache. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to today's discussion. Very excited to talk about Picard's family. Um, we see a lot of it in, obviously, Family Season 4, Episode 2, um, but we do hear hints of it throughout the seasons and even into the movies. So, one thing that really defines Picard, and when you think about his family, you think about his brother Robert. We see a lot of it in the episode family, and then we also learn in generations that you know Robert was killed in a fire, and how that uh, affects him through that movie. So, Joe, why don't you talk to us about uh, Robert and Picard and what you think of that brotherly relationship?
1: I thought um, it was the guy that played Robert um, was Jeremy Kemp. No, yeah, Jeremy Kemp played Robert in the episode, who is an English actor, I think. Um, I think the way he acted it, I don't know if it was scripted that way or he was told to act that way, but he just seems really brutal. Mm-hmm. Like, just overly harsh compared to, I suppose, it's an interesting juxtaposition between him and Jean Luc. Jean Luc's obviously really measured, keeps his emotions internally, um, has this wealth of experience as being kind of the captain of the Federation flagship. Robert is the complete opposite. He's. It just doesn't come across very nicely, and I would um that that struck me as being strange that if you grow up and work on a vineyard in France, and get to drink wine, that you're not <laughs> going to be that horrible. Yeah, you're going to be nice and chilled out all the time. Yeah, France is quite a nice place to live. Imagine if you lived in that beautiful big house that they live in, and the eating the grape. Did you you watch the episode recently?
2: Yeah, that's the first way you see him. He's eating grapes off the vine, right? But
1: no, he's not eating grapes like a normal person would eat grapes. <laughs> like, yeah. you eat a grape, you pick it off the the bunch of grapes and you eat it. But he, you get grabs like a fistful of grapes and like squishes <laughs> them in his hand. Yeah, they like, handles them. <laughs> them. Yes, that's like wow. Okay, that's that's a new way to eat grapes in the twenty fourth century. Um, so, yeah. And even towards the end, when they kind of re- reconcile um, after they have that role about fight in the mud, he he says they're obviously a lot closer, but he says, "I still don't like you," mm-hmm. which is just mean. He's your brother. Yeah, I can't actually. I've, I have a younger brother, and I can't actually imagine being in a situation where I don't like him. Yeah. So I know they wanted to tell a story, but it just seems a bit. It seems a bit over the top, to be honest. Yeah, it's my take on it at least. And Justin, um, oh. the, sorry, the, Jeremy Kepa played the character, but they had to do some additional voiceover recording for him, and he wasn't available, so they got Ian Abercrombie hmm. to do hmm. some more voiceover recording. Um, who's like a Star Trek regular? He's been in quite a few episodes of different um, different parts of the franchise. Hmm, good to know. And it was a different actor again in generations in the photo photo album. Oh yeah, sorry, Justin.
2: No, that yeah. So it like that that perspective is interesting because you know when it, when I was watching it this time, you know you watch episodes and you're watching it because oh family is such a great episode or you're going through your rewatch and it comes up you think about it one way. But when you're trying to really focus in, and I was trying to focus in on the family relationship, I saw a couple of things about Robert. So. He's the one who is kind of keeping on the traditional lifestyle with less technology, uh doing something that we don't really see that much of in Star Trek. Usually we see people flying around on ships or on stations and in Starfleet and all of that. So he's he's the civilian doing something different and he's upholding kind of what his father and, you know, his previous ancestors had had done. And the sense that I got was that I mean, maybe it was different in in their their childhood, like Robert was a bit of a a bully and just didn't like (laughs) Jean-Luc much. But I got the feeling that over time it became like there was this, the weight of this family obligation that fell on on Robert. And Jean-Luc was the one that was able to kind of have his dreams come true, go away out into space so he wouldn't have to worry. So I got a feeling of resentment from robert that he was the one that had to keep doing this thing i mean it feels like the way that he's talking about it like at the dinner table that that he does believe in like these traditional values and and having less technology but that it's still like a weight of family obligation on him and and resentment and that comes out and the way i also took it i mean i think what's what's interesting is like he's hard on on Picard keeps like pushing and pushing and pushing him until they have this thing where they roll about in the dirt and like it really comes out what Jean-Luc Picard has has been through and it's it's really therapeutic to kind of get all of that out. It feels in some ways like his brother like is the one to be able to get that out of him and to really help him deal with it. And when he has that line that he says, I still don't like you, I I took that almost as teasing him and not just being really like, I don't like you. I I hate you. Okay. But 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 just like we're on we're on a bit more friendly terms. Like I'm still gonna have this hard exterior, but this is my way. In a weird way, like saying I still don't like you is my way of of saying like I like you, and we've kind of come to terms with this. And then toward the end of of the episode, where it seemed before that Robert was really resistant to his son Rene and wanting to look up to Picard and you know be a starship captain, that when René is outside, and that's such a beautiful closing scene where you see René and like the backdrop of the stars and like a meteor goes by and that kind of thing. His his wife, Marie, is like, well, are you going to let him daydream? And it's like, let him dream. So by the end of the episode, he's kind of softened up to the point where he's like, you know what, maybe I should encourage people to do what they want to do because maybe my son shouldn't have the weight of this family obligation that I do. Anyway, that's what I took out of it this time.
1: You're right about that end scene, though let him dream that that line. And then the visual of Renee leaning against the tree is just, it's beautiful, yeah.
2: I mean, what do you think, Amy, about uh, Robert?
0: Well, I find it very believable um, that they have this very antagonistic and, you know, almost a hurtful relationship because I sort of see it when I look at my two younger brothers. And I... (laughs) I love both of them and they are so different. And I think you get that with a Robert and Picard that they are opposites and they sort of go through the episode of family where, you know, he's talking about synthahol and it's not the real thing and alcohol. So there's this, you know, dichotomy between the two things and Robert really uh, likes the handiwork and doing things by hand and making food by hand. Whereas there's this technology and replicators and, so the differences between Robert and Picard really stand out and and how they are so different. And I think Robert, yeah, definitely feels the weight of carrying on these traditions, which he feels allowed and gave uh, Jean-Luc the ability because he wasn't carrying that weight to go and be a dreamer and to accomplish all these things. And so many times it's like, well, you were the one that was valedictorian and you know, always the best. And we're going to have this parade for you now. And, you know, and there's definitely this jealousy that runs through them and the competition. And, you know, and I can just see that because I see it in my brothers and having the older one and the younger one. And just, I just can see it. And I, I worry that they aren't your typical, Oh, I love you, brother, blah, blah, blah. You know, they have this relationship that is not the best, but yet by the end, I think when Robert says, you know, I don't like you, I still think he means it. And I think that there are still issues there. But by saying that, it's still, well, I love you, but I just don't like you. And I think when I look at that, when my brothers are together I think they don't really like each other, but I know that they still love each other. And so for me, that relationship between Robert and Picard is very realistic. And I, I think they don't like each other, but I think that they still do love each other.
1: Do your brothers listen to the podcast?
0: No, they don't. they <laughs> might not like you
1: if they do now. <laughs> Nobody likes anybody anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just, I just found it was very interesting. And I think, you know, by the end when Robert and they're rolling around in the mud and it's like, you know, Robert really does know what's best for Picard. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't be coming back to earth. You need to be out on your starship and go do the things that you love, you know? And then I I still think it's Robert saying, you go do your thing. I'll take care of the family business and the family household and still bear that responsibility. And I will do that because of you.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll get into this more as we go through the next few, but I always had some disappointment that we didn't see Robert again to Mm -hmm. kind of see where the relationship went to and that what you find out, I mean, it has a lot of impact in generations, but just finding out there, like, he and Renee died in a fire. It was like, I wanted to see more of that relationship and where it would, would go to. But I mean, maybe that's What really happens sometimes, you know, maybe you're starting to get a little somewhere and you just never have the opportunity to go back and and deal with it or to to patch things up with your family. So, yeah, but but I think when I first saw Generations, I was like, no, (laughs) you can't, don't have that opportunity to revisit it anymore. Yeah.
1: That's still heartbreaking, that scene when... He's in I can't remember where he is. Is he in his quarters or his ready room? And Troy comes in and the star, the way they've the and the orange, mm-hmm. kind of dark orange light that they've got coming through, really helps to set the scene. And then Picard just he just breaks down. It and it's just it's so heartfelt. And you can you can tell that he's actually really feeling he's it's the one one of the few times you see him. Let out some emotions just because it hits them so hard. I have a a memory. I have a false memory of generations. Mm-hmm. I was convinced until fifteen minutes before we started to record this that <laughs> they both died in a boating accident. Oh, in a fire. I think they were on a boat, like asleep, and there was a fire and they died.
2: Huh. Is that because of the the, the sailing? Like maybe simulation in the beginning. The beginning maybe <laughs> I've
1: just like. <laughs> Yeah, my neurons have been muddled up, but convinced that they were asleep on a boat and died in a fire. But apparently, it was a, a fire in the family home.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 He lost the family home, and again, that was hard for Picard as well. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. there's there maybe an edit of the movie with them being on a boat and dying in a fire? The only, I, only I it's saw. It's just your
0: head cannon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that's a thing. Yeah.
0: Well, and I I thought that Robert was – he was so mean to Jean-Luc. I mean, even to the point of, you know, when they were sitting around the dinner table and Picard was asking Rene, you know, what he did at school. And, oh, I wrote this report. No, go get it. And, you know, and then Robert's like, well, stop encouraging him. He's like, I'm not encouraging him. And then Robert's like, you can raise your sons as you wish. Let me raise mine the way I wish. And I was like, that was a low blow, you know, because he knows Picard doesn't have any kids. And, you know, and that, that just brutal.
1: That it was brutal. It was like overly harsh. Yeah. It was, it was mean and it was nasty. And he mm-hmm. meant to like fire a shot. Exactly. And not miss. He wanted it like to hit him in the heart. Yeah, that was a nice scene. But that scene, I, I watched and I was like, ugh, this scene. The, so it's like the writers obviously sat around the table and thought, we're going to have a, a dinner scene in France. What do we have to have? So it's like, it looks, I paused it when, is it Marie that is ladling the soup? Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like, obviously, French onion soup. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what are they going to eat at dinner? Go, they must have French onion soup right. every day. Yeah, and um, it's like these weird French stereotypes. I was surprised that um, Robert wasn't wearing a beret with like <laughs> garlic strung around his neck. And um, maybe
2: like holding a baguette in one arm. Yeah. Yes, exactly, with a, a neckerchief
1: tied round his neck. Um, and all that, that stereotype far. is kind of reinforced at the beginning when Picard is um, doing the walk from the village up to the house. Um, and they've got accordion music, like French accordion music, mm. playing mm-hmm. over the strings yeah. at the beginning, just like a, maybe eight seconds of like stereotypically French music in the most English family ever.
0: Yes,
2: <laughs> yeah, there is a small explanation for that, but I, they were just trying to fit it in. I mean, basically, yeah. that the French language has become obsolete by that point, and people speak uh. English because Federation standard. But there's there's a little line in code of honor that actually says. Implies that, but yeah, they're they're really trying to shoehorn it in. <laughs> yeah, The Code of Honor is the episode we shall not speak of. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, I won as I watched Family and when Picard meets Renee, you know, we always know and always joke that Picard does not like kids, but his initial reaction to Renee is very fond. I don't see any. Like of his normal disdain of what's this kid doing following me? I mean, he doesn't know it's his nephew, you know, and I think it's so cute that Renee's like, Oh, you're my nephew and, and then so <laughs> John Luke's like, Well, nice to meet you, uncle and then calls him uncle throughout the episode. I think that's so cute.
1: I don't I think um Jean Luc isn't captain at that point. He's just another human on earth, kinda mm. walking mm. walking home. So he doesn't have to have that kind of facade of command where he doesn't like children and I don't react well around children. Hmm. And so it's just a nice human moment between an adult and a child, which I thought was really nice and poignant. It was a, a different side of Picard that we'd never really got to see before.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah, and no, well, I think by this point, a couple of seasons in, I think that he... There are little bits I think you see here and there where where he's softening up. It probably happens more like in the fifth season with with disaster when he was with the kids and the in the turbo lift and and maybe some episodes later on. But yeah, I think there is something to what you're saying, Joe, like he doesn't have to be this like I am captain, this is serious command business, but he's just he's just walking home, so he's he's relaxed and he seems pretty relaxed up until the point that he sees Robert, right and then it's all this tension and all this history. Kind of comes up, and I I like the character of of Renee a lot. And I don't know if you guys know, but this is the same actor who later played the the young Picard in in Rascals when they get shrunk down to kids.
1: I don't like him in that.
2: (laughs) Okay, I I like him as Renee,
1: but as a a young Picard, he just seems really precocious.
0: Maybe he was written that way.
1: Uh, Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, I think he was. Um,
2: and he's just a little bit annoying. Oh, you're breaking my heart. I love that young Picard character. (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Rene is a good compromise between Robert and Jean-Luc. And I think that his character, you know, blends those two because, you know, I think Rene definitely obviously loves his parents and is learning the traditions. And I think that um, he still has that dreamer aspect in him. And so I really like the character of Renee.
2: Yeah. And I mean, and also, I mean, Renee's the other one that dies in the fire. So in, in generations, Picard is realizing that now there's no one to continue on the, the family line. And, and that's kind of, uh, it, le- it leads to this thing that they on screen, they don't really pick up on later. Like, should I be having children? Should I be continuing the line? And actually in the novels, um, he does have a kid and names him Rene, which I think is really like a beautiful tribute. But yeah, I mean, you only see a little bit of that of that character of of Rene, but I thought he was just like a great kid who's just like a, a dreamer and wanting to do something different, you know? And it would have been, of course, great to see him again, but we don't.
0: Well, we see him in Generations when Picard's in the Nexus and He's having the uh, some dinner. kid
2: named Renee? Yeah, who, well, but, <laughs> who's played by a different actor?
0: Yeah, but still, I don't think that's
2: even his nephew. I think
1: that's his nexus, his nexus son, who he happened to name think, Renee.
0: I think it's his nephew, Renee. No. In fact, I am pretty sure because they're like go with your cousin or something like that. Okay. I just watched it. Well, I thought he had the five kids which I thought was a lot in the Nexus. And then Rene. Hey, it's, it's
2: Victorian times in the Nexus. Yes. They had more kids. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was his kids and then also Rene was in there, but I obviously am wrong.
2: No, it's a, well, at, at least how it's listed on memory alpha, which is usually right. It says he had, uh, Oh, okay. I see. I see. uh, we had five kids but Renee's not listed there. It must be like a uh, See,
0: I think it is Renee. Yeah.
2: Like a nephew. You think it's a nephew? Yeah, okay.
1: Doesn't even look anything like him though. You know, he was like so different and yeah.
2: Oh, that whole thing in the Nexus. I have a a problem with that. I don't know. Would Picard really want to Maybe we'll talk more about the Nexus family later, but would he really want to have like this Victorian fantasy? <laughs> it seems weird for Picard, yeah. but Absolutely.
0: So what did you guys think about Marie, his sister-in-law, Joe?
1: Pastel, the color scheme. Every time you see her, yeah, she's wearing just...
2: That's your first thought?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I was looking at what she was wearing. And so like in the beginning, when you see her um, outside the house, she's wearing green. Mm -hmm. Everything. Like her leggings are green, her skirt's green, her top's green, her earrings are green, her shoes are green. But all shades of... Pastel green
3: mm-hmm.
1: I was like okay that's that. I, th- I thought that was a, a mess. I thought it was a message in there somewhere That wow. hmm. was the episode a bit like She was a 1950s housewife Because it didn't go into any detail about her At mm-hmm. all It was about the relationship between Robert and Jean-Luc And so she wasn't really expanded upon So she just She made dinner And she obviously cleaned up the mud from the house At some point so I I like the character. I think she was a bit a, a kind of a centered character, in that she wasn't either of the Jean Luc or Robert extremes. Um, mm-hmm. She was like a she was quite conciliatory, um, but as of the way she was written, I think she was a bit wet. Yeah.
2: Well, what I found most interesting about her character is that she's the one several times who is is saying, you know, we're happy to have you here we want you to be a part of the family is so much more encouraging than, than Robert, you know, and she's not related by blood, but by marriage, but she's seems to be someone who's trying to like welcome him in. And like, it's great that you're here. We want you to be part of the family, but not putting like pressure on him for things to do. It's true. We don't know too much about what she actually does, but I like that. She was kind of a contrast with Robert, who seemed really stern and like, I'm really unhappy that you're here with somebody who's like, it's so great that you're here. And just welcomes him with, with open arms. I I like that part of it.
0: Yeah. When, uh, they were talking when they first met and, you know, Picard is like, thank you for your correspondence. You know, you made me really feel like part of the family. And she's like, you're not like part of the family. You are family. And I just thought that was so strong. I mean, this is their first time meeting So Roberta Marie had been married and obviously had a son together. And, you know, I mean, it had been 20 years since Picard had been back to visit. And so this is their first meeting. And she is so warm and welcoming and, you know, wants to build this family relationships with all of them. And I think that says a lot about her character and and her openness and willing to love. I just I was very impressed with Marie.
1: I, th- I suppose it says a lot about the relationship between Robert and Jean-Luc that Robert or Jean-Luc didn't go to the wedding or Robert didn't invite him to the mm-hmm. wedding. Yeah, so It tells you about the problem in the relationship. Um, I didn't realize that that was the first time they'd met, which is interesting.
2: Yeah. And and, and also I, I think that it's implied that Marie in gen- is in generations giving Jean-Luc this news that, that Robert and Renee have died in this fire, and I don't know why, but the first time I saw Generations, I thought all three of them were dead. But yeah, I Marie thought that isn't.
0: too. But it yeah. was just Robert and Renee, Robert and
2: Renee are the ones on oh, a boat on a mentioned.
1: fire, a fire on a
0: boat,
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but um, so she's still around, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I but yeah, I, I like the character, even though. Again, like if we would have had like one more visit before the movies, just to see how things were, that would, that would have been great. Yeah, I think
1: it deserved a, another visit from that whole the the th- um, the three of them: Renee, um, Robert, and Marie. I think we deserve to see them again, but like it didn't happen.
0: It is referenced um, <laughs> about their father, especially when Marie comes in and looks at all this mud and mess on the floor and what would your father say?
2: <laughs> well, he'd
0: probably send us to the room and without our supper.
2: Right. So,
0: um, we have Maurice Picard, who is the father. So referenced there and referenced in bloodlines. And then we do get to see him in tapestry, uh, when he thinks that he's dead and there is Maurice just chewing Picard out. And so much like Robert, um, so what do we think about this father figure who just seems a spitting image of Robert?
2: Yeah, let me just clarify. So in, in Tapestry, it's when when Q is kind of showing Picard this illusion <laughs> of his father to try to prove to Jean-Luc that he's actually dead. And I wanted to read out what Maurice says because I think it, a lot of ways it's even harsher than anything that Robert says. Yes. So, so when... This illusion of Maurice is there. He says, Jean-Luc, I told you not to go running off to that academy. I told you that Starfleet would bring you to a bad end, but you wouldn't listen. Now look at you, dead before your time. <laughs> Why couldn't you have listened? Didn't you know that I was working for your best interests? After all these years, even now, you managed to disappoint me, Jean-Luc. And I cut out some of the back and forth that Jean-Luc and Q have with Maurice. But it, and, and my question in my mind has always been like, is Q taking this from Picard's memories or from something that he's getting from him or some impression or is Q just omnipotent and this is how his father would really be but it's like this really harsh slice of, of his father and I wonder what you guys think of that.
1: Maurice is a bit like a holodeck character at that point he's, he's mm-hmm. just reciting a monologue there's no there's no dialogue between either Q or Jean-Luc and Maurice so he's just saying these things to him so it occurred to me that he was I don't know. Did Q kind of pick him out of time, bring him forward and make Mm, him say these things?
2: That's a good question.
1: Um, Or was he just kind of a snapshot of Jean-Luc's memories that Q kind of distilled down into this character? I'm not not sure. I agree with what you said, Amy, about being more harsh than Robert. I think the actor they chose was a really good match for Robert. Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously, you get the impression that Maurice um, worked the vineyard for his entire life, and then Robert did the same. Um, so, there would be two similar types of people. And then, obviously, Jean Luc left and he became a, a kind of a new entity. But yeah, very, very harsh, very, very overly strict for the 24th century, I
2: think. Yeah. And well, here's an interesting thing. So, according to Memory Alpha, it was played by Clive Church. This was his only role in Star Trek. And also it says only credited television or film role to date. Wow. So (laughs) I don't know how like he got involved if somebody knew somebody else or whatever, but but he seemed like a a really good match for somebody like Robert. But it's just this guy, this is the only thing he's been in, which is really interesting.
1: Wow. I suppose he shares that um, title with Stephen Hawking. Yeah. And maybe a few other people.
2: Mm, That the only thing they've ever done was in Star Trek for like, yeah, an actual appearance like that. Mm. Yeah. But the guy does a good job. It makes it seem like he's just really stern. He's really, really disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What does that say? All of the blood relation adults we've talked about so far are pretty harsh with (laughs) Jean-Luc.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. He did so well. Yeah. Well, when you asked that question, Justin, and I was thinking, well- It seems like that Maurice and uh, Robert, like Q just extrapolated from what he knows, Robert and and Jean-Luc's relationship, and then just sort of amped it up a little more. Um, But then as you were asking the question, I was like, well, Q can do anything. He can go back in time or he can scour, you know, Picard's memories, which is probably... I think as as we're discussing more what happens, so because Q's trying to convince Picard that he is dead, so he probably went into his memories to to get that. And so Picard's like, Yeah, this is what my dad said. So
2: Yeah, I mean they it- and and to your point about the Q can do anything for these kinds of things i mean there's the voyager episode death wish where he basically plucks riker off wherever he is sticks him in the delta quadrant on voyager and he's like after this you won't remember anything and just like sends him back so yeah. maybe it is he's taken him from some place else in time and this is really him i don't know but regardless it's an interesting representation that that's who his father is yeah. to him
0: <laughs> so we have another I guess, not real screen time, but an illusion, I guess, of Yvette Picard, who is Jean-Luc's mother. And we see in Where No One Has Gone Before, and they are taken, this is the one with the traveler, and they go to the edge of the universe, and everyone's having these weird visions. and, And so there in the middle of the corridor is his lovely mama with some From tea. Victorian times? Yes. Yep. <laughs> with some tea and <laughs> So what do we think about that encounter and we get to see his mama, Joe?
1: Her ac- accent and I read before I watched it that she's the only member of Picard's family that had a French accent. And then some listening to hmm. this French accent but the first couple of sentences, it doesn't sound entirely French. No <laughs> There's a little bit There's a word that she says That sounds a little bit like A Yorkshire accent hmm. But then the rest of it Sounds French Which is fine I'm still stuck on The whole idea that they all, They're all all Victor- Like 1800 Victorian people They're all from the 1800s Yeah Why they are all wear like Frilly long dresses with I don't know They're all wearing corsets And whatever um, Yeah like I the mean, Nexus family His event. mama
0: is still in the 24th century i mean when they when he was being raised like yeah who wears that
1: yeah and she's got a big old it's like silver tea service doesn't she? And she pours a nice yeah. cup of tea and there's like I, i'm sure I, I don't have to go back and look at it i'm sure there's like do, hand stitch or hand crocheted doilies on the table yes well. it was there it's was like, the lovely they, they weren't replicated
0: yeah
2: yeah, well, it, I mean, it, it it's interesting because I think this is coming from Picard's mind. So there's this and the Nexus, where it's also kind of influenced by what. He, so somehow in his mind, he's seeing things in this way. I, I mean, whereas of course, you, I mean, when you go in in family, actually to the you know the family property or, or vineyard, I mean, what you see there could be from like hundreds of years before that, but it's not. Vic- and I would say like at least the no, way no. they dress and all that but but it's interesting like in his fantasy somehow he latches on to that period or the yeah. writers latch onto it for him I That's don't know why right. Yeah,
1: strangely it brings it's made me think about why is he a French character played by an English actor with an English accent I know um, Justin you said there was a, a story behind that
2: yeah but the, I mean the real reason that that happened is I think they had written it that way they wanted to have a French actor but it wasn't working out and it worked out to have Patrick Stewart, although I think Gene Roddenberry had to be really heavily convinced <laughs> to accept yeah. Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think they had written it that way, and they got themselves into a corner maybe, and couldn't find the right French actor, and had to had to pick someone. <laughs> okay. But it, it's always been that weird thing that you have in TNG. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did, did that? And what I was wondering how that worked in the US. Did you hear Patrick's or Jean Luc's accent and think? Oh, he's foreign, so that's
2: fine, yeah?
1: We're obviously living so close to France and England.
2: No, we can tell the difference between them. I think it was always noticed here that there's that difference. Sure, okay. But I mean, it's still, I think, like it, it was different, even though, you know, Patrick Stewart isn't from France or have a French accent, to have you know, a, a captain or a lead on the show that isn't American. That's something that was different from the original series. Mm, of but, course, of course. But I think people could tell. <laughs> like, there's something a little off here. But you just, most of the time, I don't even think about it. I just kind of accept it. But then there are times when you see episodes where you're like, yeah, that doesn't doesn't quite match. But but I think it is interesting that when we see kind of this illusion of of his mother, she seems really pleasant. She doesn't seem harsh like his father or his, or his brother. So maybe not everybody in the family is is totally harsh and it's, it's nice to see something a little different but
1: she's a bit like marie then yeah 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 all the males that stayed on earth are just grumpy and <laughs> all the, the the wives are more pleasant Interesting. Yes. i was reading on memory alpha i think the actress that played a vet was herta Ware, who was an american actress and really? she was in cocoon oh yeah, oh, in okay. like 1985,
0: oh, I, love I think. Oh, Cocoon. Yeah, oh.
1: yeah, she
2: was in that. I loved that movie when I was a kid. Yeah.
1: And the character Yvette was named after Yvette Mimieux, who is a French actress, I think, that was in The Time Machine hmm. in 1960.
0: Well, this is tindex. why we have you on, Joe.
1: <laughs> Didn't want my first podcasting experience to go down in a burning flames. <laughs>
0: So there were some uh, other historical uh, figures in the Picard family. Um, One that is mentioned or referenced in Journey's End. Justin, who was that again?
2: Javier Marabona Picard, who was, I, I guess, a soldier with the Spanish that was part of retaking New Mexico in the 17th century. And there's I mean, I, since I live in the in the Southwest, I know a lot about this this story. There was a, a revolt in some of the Pueblos in New Mexico against Spanish rule, and they actually drove out the Spanish for 12 years. But then there was this campaign to reconquer that area. And this Picard ancestor was supposed to be part of that, which he's told by a character in, in Journey's End. Apparently, Picard had no idea about. Mm, right. <laughs> but it kind of hangs over the episode like that, previous ancestor has like the stain of blood to be wiped away so i think it's kind of an interesting choice to connect him to the episode and also somebody that was serving with the spanish i don't know it's just something that i picked up on like yeah he's learning about his family long after they're dead but
0: Yeah, well, they and in generations like he's very, you know, because he's talking and discussing with Troy about, you know, how important his family history is. And, you know, we learn in in, uh, family that, you know, he was going off to Starfleet and also he tells Shinzon in uh, Nemesis, you know, well, our family, I'm the first to be an explorer, which I thought was interesting because when in Generations, he's talking about his family history and he's like, oh, yes, there were Picards who fought at Trafalgar and the Nobel Prize in chemistry and those Picards who went uh, to the Martian colonies. And I'm like, wait a minute, those sound like explorers to me, you know?
2: Yeah, I think I think the the way that you can explain that is those colonies were already established and they mm. were just going there to live and exploring is kind of pushing past where people have been before but okay. but yeah I, I, it's not like he was the first to go out into space and they actually expand on that in the novels there there is a picard character in some of the 22nd century enterprise novels where there's a picard on one of the martian colonies <laughs> yeah but yeah it is interesting they go into that they go into the history of his family a little bit but for somebody who's completely into i mean it's not necessarily the same thing archaeology and genealogy but he seems like totally fascinated by like these thousands of years old artifacts and doesn't know certain things about (laughs) the family going further back. But yeah, yeah, I think it adds a little something interesting. We don't see too much for some of the other next generation characters that there's these historical figures and events that he's connecting to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. We definitely get uh, with Picard. Yeah. This long line that there's this history and that he knows about it. And yeah, we don't see that really with any other character. Do we?
2: There is a reference, maybe it even happens in in Voyager, to one of Riker's ancestors that fought in the Civil War. Hmm. But that may be about it (laughs) as far as next generation characters.
1: Mm -hmm. You don't really see that in real life either, I don't think, where you get a family line that's so strong and done so much. Hmm. Like the Picard that won the Nobel Prize for chemistry that didn't happen. There's no Picards ever in real life that have won the chemistry prize since it was given out in 1901 so yeah that the picard family line has done a tremendous amount throughout history which doesn't i don't think really happens in real life
2: yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because i've, I've actually had some years ago gotten into looking into my wife's genealogy and mm-hmm. with her family you can go back hundreds of years in in this part of texas and in and in mexico and you do find certain people that did important things like she had an ancestor that was governor of New Mexico, another one that was, you know, part of this important battle or whatever. um, And other ones who were governors of Mexican States and things like that. And some that were, you know, related to presidents and things like that. But I think that happens more and more, the further you can go back. Because if you have an ancestor that's say like from 500 years ago, they could have tens of thousands of descendants. So there's actually a lot of people now that could be related to those people before, Mm -hmm. But if you go back like a limited period of time, it's a lot less likely. But the further you go back, there's more and more lines. So I see it as maybe in Picard's case, it's a bit of a stretch, but I think it's it's possible even from what I've seen in my own experience.
1: Yeah, I think you only have to go back something like 3,000 years to a point where you're related to everybody that's on the planet at the time,
0: <laughs>
1: like statistically speaking, that's some. A-
2: Technically, that would be possible. The reason that isn't actually the case is that there are lots of like intersecting lines and overlapping lines over history. Okay. Like for a real common ancestor, you have to go back about 100,000 years. But still, yeah. that's hmm. not like hugely far at yeah. the scheme of things. But, but yeah, like statistically, you could say like, oh, there's, you know, two for every generation. And after a few mm-hmm. thousand years, you'll relate it to everybody. But there's enough like overlapping and you know, people are distant cousins and they marry yeah, and things like that. And different. So it, yeah, okay. Yeah. But but it is interesting. Like, the further you go back, the more possibility there seems to be that you're related to somebody who did something that's notable. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anyway, that was that was a real sidetrack, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, can we see the Javier Maribona Picard, the Spanish soldier? Assume Maribona Picard is his surname and Maribona is a Spanish name with Picard being a French name. True? I'm not sure.
2: Possibly. I mean, there, there's a, there's the other thing. Well, so we don't know, I think, if that Picard ancestor was just kind of serving as part of the the Spanish army and he was from somewhere else, or if that ancestor was from Spain. But there is a tradition um, in the Spanish culture to have, it's kind of like multiple last names or, or surnames that are based on both your mother's and your father's line. So okay. sometimes you you would see that happen. So it could be that you know, one line was Picard and the other was Maribona, and it's kind of together to represent both of like the mother and okay. father's lines. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, at least.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, there have been some other families that Picard has had, maybe in alternate timeline or an illusion. Um, and one of them is in the inner light with Cayman and his family. Um, so what do we think about that as his family? I mean, he went through and lived all those years, you know, in his mind, I guess you would say. So they really are his family because he lived that experience. And I guess I use air quotes around lived, you know, what, what do we think about that? Joe?
1: That's just a a beautiful episode. I have no notes on this. So I'm I'm like, I'm partially stuck. So I would agree that he definitely is. Definitely family, yeah. Even though he wasn't Picard. Mm-hmm. Technically. So Jean Luc lived what did you say his name was again? Cayman. Cayman, yeah. Um he Jean Luc lived Cayman's life. Cayman's family was definitely his family, I would say. But and there's quite a lot of them. Yeah, because Cayman lived to a ripe old age. So there was his wife, then his Two children, his mm-hmm. son, and yeah. daughter, son and daughter, then and their grandchildren. It's like a grandchild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a beautiful episode. Definitely included in family.
0: Justin, what do you think about? Yeah, you know, can we consider this Picard's family, even though it is Cayman?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. And sorry for the short notice on that joke because I just thought That's of okay. it this morning. Like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> there's there's the family he has in the Inner Light. It is interesting, you know, as we go through this list that of his family. We really only see Robert, René, and Marie as like real people. And this, besides that, is kind of the closest he gets, even though it is, does turn out to be an illusion. And he really, like we're led to believe that he really is experiencing this like it's, you know, 25 or 30 years. So he is spending all of this time with, you know, his wife Helene that's there, with their children and grandchildren. So if anything, through this experience, he ends up knowing them probably a lot better <laughs> than say, you know, Renee or Marie or maybe even Robert, even though he grew up with him for a period of time. So I, I, and I think it's, you know, it is an experience that profoundly affects him and it's, yeah, I I don't know what to say, except like this is the time on screen that we really see him being part of A family where he's married and he has children and grandchildren. He's part of this community and and all of that. So, and it seems like, you know, after, of course, initial resistance because this is, he's just dropped in there. He comes to really accept it and I think love it and really lament that these people are, are dying. So I think if anything, this is probably the most profound family experience he has of anything. And it's not even real.
1: Do you think that gets over his regret about not having a real family? having those implanted memories over a lifetime. He's now got those memories of having a family. And he, he has had a family as came in.
2: I think it it makes him want it more. And again, I'll reference the novels because he does eventually want to marry and have children. So I, And I believe that with, with how where that goes. But yeah, I think it makes him want that even more because there was some real happiness that he had there that I think at some point he'd want to recapture. What do you think, Amy?
0: Great question, because in when he's in the Nexus in generations, like you're right, that is his desire, because when we his first gut reaction in the Nexus is to have this family in this blanket of love, you know, and I think that is in remembrance to the inner light and the family that he did have. And probably I I think you're right, it only uh, accentuates the fact that he never did that in his real life
2: you know what would have been so much more effective it would have been so much more effective if in the nexus the family he saw was the family he had as cayman wouldn't that have been great to see that again that would have been so much more meaningful and there's some i hadn't thought of it until now but and and it's only like a couple years after that episode so you can get the other actors right so but i feel like that would be so much more meaningful because well if if you've you know, seeing the inner light. It's like, oh, that makes sense. That he was so happy that he'd want to 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 be there. And even if you hadn't seen it, you know, as as a viewer, they could have a little explanation. But I wonder why, you know, they couldn't have done something like that instead of this weird Victorian fantasy that Picard has never like expressed an interest in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Another another take on that is the Nexus can take you anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. So it could have t- yeah. t- taken him back to that long-lost civilization in the inner mm-hmm.
2: light. Yeah. So he yeah. could have... To actually, to actually met, be there. came Right. In. Oh, that would have been... Wow. <laughs> Whoa. I'm
0: <Liking> this. Whoa. <sighs>
2: <Yeah>. <sighs> but, but wouldn't that have been so much more effective if it was actually that family instead of some... Random. It would have been family. very
1: poignant because it felt very fake.
0: Yes. Just so topical. And no connection. And yeah, then to bring that inner light family, that would have been so powerful. Oh, we yes. they, need, they need to rewrite that. Oh my gosh.
2: I know. We need to invent a time machine, go back in time and convince the yes. writers to do that because that would have been awesome.
1: Yeah. That and they die on a burning ship. Yes.
0: <laughs> 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 to master yes, the, the cannons. That's
1: the <laughs> other it's gonna, rewrite it's with, happen. with the. No. Did <laughs> you Yeah. <no. laughs> <Enjoyed it>. yeah. <laughs>
0: So in all good things and when we've got Picard in the future we see that Tim and Beverly are were married and then divorced so I think we see we can definitely say oh well I don't know definitely it's an alternate I will
2: add Yeah it's
0: alternate timeline could we say that yeah that that is part of his family as Beverly would you say that
2: Well and also Picard remembers the experience he had right in this seeing it in this alternate time. I mean, actually, like when he is that future Picard, after a little while, it's like, that is him. And he knows and can kind of interact in in that area. So he's kind of absorbed some of that experience of being with with Beverly. And I think it totally makes perfect sense in the novels that he actually marries Beverly Crusher, because there's been something there since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's worth mentioning. And that is kind of part of his family, even if it's an alternate timeline. And yeah, I think it makes sense.
0: So, part of Picard's family is Shinzon because he is a clone. So, <laughs> Justin, Joe I saw disagrees. that you put this on the list, so give me your rationale as to really why it's on here, just not to you know placate yeah. my love of nemesis and
2: and uh, it was another one that I thought of this morning, like, wait a minute, I think even in the in the movie there is he's referenced as as family, I mean because someone who who is a clone, I mean we haven't had to deal with cloned humans yet, so I don't know how people will take it when. And if it actually happens, but it it does seem like that is someone that's part of of your family in the same way that someone like Thomas Riker, who's a transporter duplicate, really a duplicate of Will Riker is kind of accepted as as Riker's brother eventually. I think someone who is a clone would be some weird part of your family. I don't even know how you'd put that on a family tree, but <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> it's like i then it, they're cloned clone from me, so I'm both of his parents. I don't know. But I mean, of course, it is a weird thing in Nemesis. But I think it is someone who's part of his family, because family can sometimes be like a, a reflection that you can use or that can influence you. Because, you know, as as a person, you're half of your mother's DNA, half of your father's DNA, your siblings, you know, share parts of your DNA. So I think in, in the same way, someone who's a clone would be part of, of your your family even though maybe it would be hard to to reconcile or they'd act very differently i i, I th- just thought of that like oh it is part of his family
0: yeah well and i think you know at that last scene of of nemesis when they're trying to destroy the energy yeah trilithium or what is it
2: are you talking about a nemesis yeah in nemesis
0: yeah but the last scene and they're fighting and mm-hmm. and shin gets impaled yes and then pulls himself to Picard. I I still, I really do enjoy that scene, but you can see the emotion that it, Picard does recognize that this is, yeah, some part of him, that this is some part of his family, that, yeah, albeit as strange and weird and, you know, crazy and never heard of before, but I you can see the importance um, and the effect that it has on Picard because he is just stunned to lose either a brother or, a, I mean, just a part of himself. Um, I, I think that scene is very poignant, and I think Picard understands the impact of that. So I would say, yes,
2: family. Joe, your dissenting opinion here. <laughs> I, I think I'm
1: seeing family as, I don't know, somebody or people that you have grown up with or have some kind of relationship with. And not just that. Oh, we share DNA, so we must be family. So, in that sense, I don't necessarily see him as part of the Picard family. For a start, he doesn't have the Picard name. He's not Shinzon Picard.
2: Well, well, how about this? What, what, what about two siblings, identical twins, that are separated at birth for some reason, raised by different families, have different names, haven't had the same experience, but they're still family, right?
1: Mm, are they? <laughs>
2: but the, yes i think they oh okay yeah. so
1: um amy nelson was born in the us like i don't know 27 years ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i was born like in scotland yeah but amy nelson is part of my star trek family yeah we have okay, nothing yeah. in common like genetically apart from this love of star trek um and amy is part of my family so that's kind of maybe the converse to it
2: yeah Okay, so you're distinguishing between family and blood relative. Yes.
1: And I think a blood relative is different from a clone, maybe.
0: Okay.
1: Maybe not scientifically.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> but just a, a clone is just a clone. It's just a carbon copy that bears no real relation to you.
2: So Okay. See, I put it on the outline just so we could struggle with the definition, yeah, so, but I think okay. you're you're starting to convince me that maybe that's not someone that's family.
0: well, I'm still gonna hold firm that it is, and just you know with this discussion, these lines that I hear through nemesis, you know the echo over the voice, like the echo is still the voice, just different, you know, like do you know Twice what I'm saying? All- like you can't have you the echo is still the voice
1: well no the echo is the voice but just kind of reflected back at you right but in the shins on picard sense that the echo is shins on
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and picard is the voice right so it's like a
2: a poor man's so he's
0: still picard
2: This seems like a philosophical discussion. Yes. All right, Metatrex, (laughs) we
0: need you. (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, we shall table that. So we were all there at STLV when they had the announcement that the Picard series is going to happen. So I would like to ask. What? Is the Picard series?
2: (laughs) oh you're just finding out now yeah remember Uh, we were in
0: tears you know i couldn't
2: see the stage or the
1: screen for tears i managed to hold my phone up and (laughs) record it all and just didn't move while like the tears were like streaming i was like beside myself it was so emotional
0: it was amazing so powerful yes wow so which members of picard's family would you like to see in an upcoming picard series
1: it can only be marie because she's the only one still alive yeah, they're all dead. Dead. I was
2: I was going to say that, but then I think there needs to be some time travel adventure that rescues Rene and Robert before they die in the fire. Mm. Oh,
1: on the the fire on the boat. Okay,
2: yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> no, but I mean, it could also be a a family member that we haven't seen. Although I I think we've covered that the mother and father are dead. The brother is dead. Does he not have any other siblings?
0: It was just those two that.
2: But they're. Uh, but let's let's think outside the box who'd be well i mean i i think it would be great if we saw marie for some reason although she would be just a good as old as but hard. yeah probably, we've
1: missed yeah. <laughs> we've we've missed a number of people that are family that weren't in the 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 notes the oh sketch, well, well and yeah and your
2: your definition of family i think it's like the whole crew <laughs> right
1: well yeah well picard said himself in nemesis Amy Nelson's favourite film apparently. At the uh, Riker and Troy's wedding, he says, Well Riker, you have been my trusted right arm for fifteen years. You have kept my course true and steady. Diana Troy, you've been my guide and my conscious conscious conscience. You have helped me recognise the better parts of myself. You are my family.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: And then at the You're end, right. when they're having that toast to Data, who's just mm-hmm. been killed by the Thaleron Thel- 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 generator explosion, when they're drinking the Chateau Picard, he says to absent friends, to family. So Riker, Troy, Crusher, Geordi, Data, they're all family. Worf, obviously. And it was really sad because they're all leaving. The only person. Um, Picard was left with was before and
2: Jordi.
0: Yeah.
2: At that point, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's been something, oh, man, I think you've torpedoed like like part of my premise for this outline for this because, yeah, they are his family and we didn't really talk about them, but we can talk about them here because I think there's been a huge desire to see the other parts of that, you know, crew or, or family and I think if they're smart about it it won't be Like, hey, we're all together for an adventure to save the universe one more time, but the different characters will come in for for different purposes to, yeah, I think you're right. That could be their their family. And I hope we see as many of them as we can, but done in a way that doesn't uh, stretch our belief (laughs) that they're all together at once. Maybe it's one final adventure with the crew and Marie Picard. (laughs) (laughs) To save the universe. But what do you think, Amy?
0: Well, I think, you know, because it's been, as he says, 20 years after Nemesis. um, Mm -hmm. And assuming that he's not captain, I think at this point, um, I do see that he probably will have gotten married, maybe settled down. So we might see some children uh, from that uh, relationship maybe meet his wife. I don't Do you know want to see him married that. to Beverly? Um, I'm going to be fine either way. I think they can write it well enough that if it's not, I'll be okay. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing Gates McFadden again. Or
1: it's, it's the sitcom version where they're going through a really messy divorce.
0: Mm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't necessarily, I guess, have to be Beverly Crusher. But it would be nice to, if he were married and had some kids or... Something a kid named Renee. I I would cry if I saw a kid named Renee. Oh yeah.
1: I think we're going to see something really different. Patrick Stewart said himself that you will see a Picard that you've never seen before. So I don't know if there'll be much scope for us to see Hmm. many people. I -hmm. think it could turn into a a kind of a Logan X Men movie where it's just completely different to what we've seen before. It's dark. It's grim. It's made for like a 2018, 2019 audience or whenever it comes out. It could be the case that everybody he's ever known, he lost. And he was mm. the only survivor of whatever accident that happened. And he's dealing like he's an old a man. fire in on a, a boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fire on a boat. Um, everybody dies, drowns horrifically. Drowns and burns to death at the same time. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, horrific opening sequence card's the only person that's left he's in his 80s oh no what he's lead, 94 would he be? by this point 94 yes he's an old man although life expectancy in the 24th century probably 150 maybe and he's living out his life in a immense mental institution trying oh, to wow. cope <laughs> with the horrors of what happened
2: yeah, I don't Thank think goodness. we'll be getting that, but yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it could it could it could be anything, but I do I do think it is going to be something that starts in a dark place and where he has to kind of climb out of that into a better place. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Okay, so I think what we're saying is the family that we might see will be the crew that was his family for those fifteen years. Yes, that's nice. Yeah.
0: Well, Joe, why don't you give us your final thoughts on this wonderful discussion we've had about Picard's family?
1: A very mixed family, like, throughout history. Obviously, we had the the Picard that won the Nobel Prize and the Spanish soldier. And then his actual family, his, like, blood relatives that were still alive that we met in the episode family, um, where all the men were grumpy, all the adult men were grumpy, and the women weren't, Um, like Marie and Yvette, who just seemed like lovely human beings. And then we've met um, Maurice as a vision and uh, Robert, who were just tyrannical almost. But he has a, it comes back to our definition of family. What is family? Family is what you want to define it as. And I think that's where we've come a bit unstuck in defining family through this discussion. So yeah, family is anything you want it to be. It's people that you're close to. Um, It's people who have things in common with. It's been a very interesting discussion and it makes me want to go back and watch all these episodes we've talked about just because you, both you, Justin, and you, Amy, have given me some food for thought to go back and rewatch a lot of things. So thank you.
0: Justin?
2: I mean, as you said, Joe, it's been a really interesting discussion. I mean, and also this is a fairly long list even though a lot of it is illusion or mm. or things like that. I mean, I think... Picard and Data are the ones where we probably see the most family, <laughs> biological, well, in Data's case, it's not really biological. Yeah. Like, there's some other definition of family. But but yeah, I think we've come back around to the family that he really has left by the time we see him in Nemesis is really his his crew, because he doesn't have his parents, he doesn't have his brother, he doesn't have his nephew. There's very few people that are left, and there's no one to even carry on his his family line. It, it it also i think as we were talking about it g- helps to explain some of what we saw in Picard early on who is somebody that's all about like duty and pretty stern and i think he picked that up from his father and from his brother even though he's doing a different kind of duty than they would have wanted him to do i think it it makes sense that he has some of that sternness within him and i think continues to have that in different parts through the through the series and I think the, the exploration of possible families like Cayman's family and in the Nexus and being married to Beverly and all of that, I think the writers are very interested in playing with this notion and seeing the possibilities. And I think it will be interesting to see like where he ends up in the Picard series, who is really his family, who's there to help him. Are there people that he's met that are now part of some kind of new family for him? We don't know. So I think there's, there's a lot of possibilities, a lot of places that they can, that they can go. And it's, it's been great just kind of going through this list and seeing the kinds of things that have influenced Picard and and made him, the the person who he is and a lot of the person that we admire despite all these difficulties.
0: Yeah, I think each of the people that we've discussed, we learn more about Jean-Luc Picard and that we can see I think because he is so disciplined and you know organized and is the captain and that he wears that mantle Almost ninety nine percent of the time. I mean, just he's always the captain and is always going to try and do the right things and and so getting to know his family and really how impactful that is. And we just see so much of that when he uh he receives the news, you know, in generations that he's lost Robert and Renee, like how much that really impacts him that we don't really see throughout. I think we get snippets, you know, with the inner light and you know, all good things. But to really see that in in uh, generations is is really powerful. And I think it really gives us a good idea of how deeply Picard feels about his family history and that he looks forward to preserving the Picard name and, and how much that really does affect him. So it's And, you know, when you think about Picard's family, you really only think about Picard, Rene, and maybe Marie, you know, like that's his main core. But then through this discussion, like you said, Joe, like you have different definitions of family and how Picard builds his family with the crew of the Enterprise and, and how that is so important to him. I just... I love that we get to see these different definitions of what family is and that the writers of Star Trek, you know, sort of wrestle with what is family and we get to see that through Picard.
1: I think it's a, a testament to how good Patrick Stewart is, in, is as an actor, that the way that we see this portrayal of Picard develop throughout the seven years of the TV show and the the four movies. Um, he's just a phenomenally good actor. He plays it straight, mm-hmm. but you get these really emotional mm-hmm. moments, like in Generations, playing Caiman and in the Inner Light. Um, his relationship with Nella Darin, where he like he um, he plays his risk and flute for somebody for the first time, and those kind of love interests that he has. He's just he's one of the best actors that um, we have currently on the planet, or maybe has ever lived. Wow, well. strong.
0: Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on Earl Grey and for debuting your podcasting skills with us and our listeners.
1: Uh, Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for inviting me and for the the generous fee that I'm getting for coming on. (laughs) Like $10,000 is is far too much for a,
2: a virgin podcaster. It's a thousand times our usual fee, which is our gratitude.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, wh- uh, wow, I don't know how that works out mathematically, but I'm, I'm really <laughs> grateful. Can't wait for the, the check in the post to arrive. Yeah, so it's been wonderful. Um, not as terrifying as I thought it was going to be. Apart from when you asked me for final thoughts and <laughs> jumped in with, uh, what was the bit? There was one, and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't research this. So
0: Came in in the inner light. You did great. Oh,
1: you came in, yes. Kind of relatively easy to answer, but we have loved this experience, and I want to do it again. When's the next episode? (laughs) Same time next week?
0: (laughs) Yes, we will for sure have you on again. It's been a pleasure. And, Joe, where can people find you if they want to talk more about Picard's family?
1: Okay, um, not that I necessarily know anything about Picard's family. Um, however, you can get me on, you can tweet me on Twitter um, at Joey Joe 77 uk or on Facebook, I am Joey Joe UK That's Joey as in like a kangaroo and Joe in UK. Or you can email me at joepodcasts at com, which I made what? up today.
2: You've, I was <laughs> going to say, you've never podcasted know, before. So wait a minute, yeah. That.
1: It's my new thing that I do. <laughs> Joe at gmail.com. Yeah.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, Justin, why don't you tell us what is going to happen next week on Earl Grey?
2: Yeah, we're excited because next week we have another interview for you. We'll be interviewing Jennifer Edwards, who played Miss Kyle, uh, Alexander's teacher, in the Next Generation episode, New Ground. So I got a chance to to meet her, and I think you're going to really enjoy the interview that we'll have for you next week. So I'd say go ahead and watch New Ground to refresh yourself on that episode. And Miss Kyle, who is Amy's favorite teacher in Star Trek, maybe?
0: It- Really? (laughs) Absolutely. But not just Star Trek, like the way that she is portrayed, like most TV series and movies do not know how to accurately portray teachers. And she does a very good job. Yes, Joe's a teacher, and he will agree with me. So I'm very excited to talk to her. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to it. And so glad that we have the opportunity to talk to Miss Kyle. Well, it's been so much fun talking about Picard's family, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here is what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM.
2: Previously on Trek.FM. To the journey! I love that Barkley says he's lost himself in Voyager because I have been there, man.
3: Haven't we all, Reg? Haven't we all?
2: It hits a little close to home. It does. I'm a little bit like Barkley in some ways. I, you know, I have just a little bit of paranoia to me. Awkward? No, a little paranoid. No, I don't think I'm awkward. No. Okay, maybe a, <laughs> maybe a little bit.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, you said you're like Barkley. Awkward.
2: Give me a glass of wine and I'm fine.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> the hall, Excuse me. Synthahol. The, the 602 Club.
3: Well, and I think that uh, there's even, you know, a, a kernel of that conversation Uh, reflected in when he is on uh, the the airship with his dad. And it's very interesting because Indy gives, you know, they give the the two versions of the story where, you know, you were distant, you didn't hang out with me, you didn't do these things, I didn't have a normal dad like every other kid. And then you hear, uh, you know, Henry Jones Sr. say, I never told you to wash behind your ears, I never checked up on your homework, I gave you all of the freedom and independence that you wanted, and if you were to ask any kid, they'd say that's what they wanted, and then you find out, to speak to the point about fact and truth, that that's not necessarily what you want. You want involvement, you want connection, you want to be together, you want to be part of your family unit, and you want it to be cohesive. I mean, you know, at a, at, at a baseline, that's what everybody wants.
2: Earl Grey. And especially like toward the end when it's like, Jean-Luc, what are you and I doing just like voyaging around the galaxy by ourselves on this <laughs> ship? Like it makes perfect sense to you, but it makes no sense to me, yeah. right? Just the two of us like on this giant ship. It's well, like, and when wow. it was
0: just a small skeletal crew, you know, and she's still questioning, he's like, why do we have all of these rooms and quarters? And, and then Data just nonchalantly, well, we have, you know, we need uh, evacuation, and we take diplomats around. Yeah. It. And like he's listing it, like, well, duh, this is why we have it. <laughs> and Picard's like, that'll be enough data.
2: Warp five. Well,
3: you remember it was like when it was forty-two. You weren't very reasonable then, were you? Uh, no, I was not. Exactly. I was absolutely not. I was yelling at a tree in my backyard. It was <laughs> not a pretty sight. <laughs> all I was, is... It- Big men and heat is not a good idea. Oh, that sounds like a great band.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show.
0: If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link.
2: We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up.
0: If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact, choose to send to a show, and select Earl Gray. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show, just like we did today. You can also find the network on Twitter at Trek FM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. So Justin, where can people contact you when you're not fighting with your clone?
2: Hold on here. Jason, go away. I, stop. We'll argue later if you're part of my family or not. Just go downstairs, watch some TV. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. Now that I've got that covered, at least for now, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently tweeting out my season six rewatch of The Next Generation, and also the news that I have created my own clone. You can find out more about that there. Maybe. Maybe I made that up. Okay, you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So Amy, where can people contact you when you're not visiting your Nexus family? And by the way, you have to tell us which family would be in the Nexus. Oh. Or not. (laughs) It's
0: obviously my Trek FM family. (laughs)
2: Okay. All right.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, I am here on the network. I co-host a little show called The Edge about Star Trek Discovery with Patrick Devlin. I also am on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and I am tweeting about my Deep Space Nine rewatch. I'm currently in season four and enjoying it. Uh, But my favorite place is the Babel Conference.
2: If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com/checkfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com/checkfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons' website, the Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us, and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at Patreon.com/TrekFM.
0: We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current family. They are our associate producers Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting TrekFM, and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey.
2: Let him dream.
0: Great joy and gratitude.